0: And welcome everyone to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm Jacob Scheckman, and you're listening to our show, What To Be, where we interview inspiring people and highlight their career journeys. What To Be is a program provided by Your Future is Our Business, a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students explore careers through programs such as college and career expos, panels, and other work based learning activities. Please note the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or your future is our business. The information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. And just a reminder for everyone listening now, we are conducting interviews through video call and we apologize for any lack of audio quality. However, because we're doing these videos, we've taken the opportunity to partner with classes from Shoreline and San Lorenzo Valley Middle School so that we can do these interviews live with an actual audience of eighth grade students and we get to take their questions directly. Stay tuned and hear them now. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Julie Bailey. Thank you so much again for being here, Ms. Julie.
1: Thanks for having me. Take care of my profession.
0: Yeah, and Julie is here to talk about that profession being she is a registered nurse in labor and delivery. Now, Julie, can you please tell us where it is you are, where you work, and what exactly that means to be working in labor and delivery?
1: Yeah, so I work at two hospitals in Santa Cruz. I work at Sutter Maternity and Surgery Center. And I also work at Dominican Hospital, and I work in labor and delivery. So what that means is I help moms to have their babies.
0: And what I mean, oh my gosh, what is that like? How, how, are how are there different ways to have baby? I know I think I was done via C-section. So mm-hmm. where where do you step in? How are you helping there?
1: We, as a nurse. You know, there's lots of different ways that a mom can have a baby. She can have a baby naturally without pain medicine. Everybody's labor trajectory is so different. And sometimes a mama chooses to use pain medicine to help them through that difficult time. Sometimes babies are born via cesarean section, which is a surgery where they actually make an incision in the abdomen. And they cut through the uterus and get the baby out that way. Sometimes it's a scheduled event and sometimes it's an emergency thing where we, you know, rush back to the operating room and get the baby out.
0: Let's say there's a a standard everything's going great from start to finish during this labor. What are your main responsibilities in that process?
1: So I act as the registered nurse. My job is to be the eyes and the ears for the doctor. And so I I assess, I'm constantly assessing. When we have a mom in labor, I have two patients. The mom is a patient and also the baby is a patient. So we'll have the mom um, hooked up to fetal heart rate monitors so that we can monitor the baby's heart rate and we can monitor the contractions, which is Basically, the uterus is a muscle. That's where the baby lives Uh inside the mom. And when the uterus contracts, it helps to open up a mama's cervix. And then that allows the baby to come out. So my job is to make sure that mom is safe. Both her, you know, blood pressure can be a huge thing that we watch in a mom. There's something called preeclampsia, which is uh, characterized by high blood pressure. And so that's something that we watch um, if a mom is diabetic. We will check her blood sugars often. And we're always looking at the baby's heart rate monitor because that gives us clues about how the baby is doing with the process of labor. And if we need to intervene in another way. And so I'm constantly communicating with either the doctor, the midwife, sometimes the anesthesiologist to let them know what I'm seeing, what, what is my assessment and sometimes I request them to come lay eyes on the patient, come to the bedside. Oftentimes they'll just come and around on their own to see how the patient is doing, but mainly I'm the eyes and ears for the doctor.
0: Wow, that sounds intense. First of all, you have a ton of responsibilities. A ton. So I'm curious, given everything that you described and how in-depth it sounds like your knowledge base must, must be to be able to perform as a nurse here, what kind of training or, or did you go through or certification did you get to, to approach the point where you're at now and, and be able to do this job successfully and well?
1: Yeah. So the first thing you have to do is get your nursing license. And so there's a lot of different pathways to do that. You can go to, once you graduate high school, you can start taking your prerequisite science courses. And that's usually anatomy, physiology, microbiology, chemistry. And then you can either go into a two-year associate degree nursing program, or you can go into a four-year bachelor of science nursing degree program. Once you complete that, you take a rigorous exam called the NCLEX. It's a national um, certification exam that will garner you your your certification, your your registered nurse. Okay. Then you try to get hired. <laughs> you, you can- you decide what area you might want to work in and there's so many diverse areas of nursing that you can work in. You know, I do labor and delivery. There's neonatal intensive care that works with babies. Um, There's the intensive care unit um, that nurse works with adults who are critically acutely ill. There's OR nursing, where you spend your whole day in an operating room. My best friend is a hospice nurse, and so she helps people uh, that have terminal illnesses. That means they're not going to get better. She helps them pass um, in a way that they choose to pass in their homes. And so I think it's a great diverse field.
0: Yeah, it sure sounds like it. I'm curious, how did you end up picking labor and delivery?
1: Well, I went into nursing school because I had two amazing births and I, it was just such an amazing, sacred time and moment, magical. And I wanted to be around that all the time. So that was my intention going into nursing school. So
0: so you went into nursing after you had become a mother?
1: Yes. Wow. Yes, Wow. I was a teacher first.
0: Oh my gosh. What were you teaching?
1: I taught fourth grade.
0: You taught fourth grade. Incredible. And then you went into nursing. And so yeah. uh, you mentioned also that you are you are going back for your master's degree. Yes. Awesome. Tell I'm me about that. About what, about what motivated you to, to go back for your master's? And what are you hoping to accomplish once you've got that?
1: Yeah, so I've worked 10 years as a labor and delivery nurse. I don't claim to know everything, but I feel that I've compiled a great amount of knowledge and experience in the field. And I feel like going back and getting my master's will allow me to impact more people and just have a greater breadth of autonomy and mm-hmm. practice.
0: Incredible. And how would you describe your your environment on a normal day? We, we'll talk more about the circumstances that are going on in our world right now, but in a, in a normal day, uninhibited, what is your in work environment usually like?
1: I work with a team of other nurses. We have a charge nurse, and she oversees the unit. Um, I work closely with the physician, with the medical doctor, as well as a certified nurse midwife, um, an anesthesiologist, and a pediatrician. Those are the primary players on our team. And a normal day, we come in, we clock in. We go to the report room. Um, we go ahead and we get an overview of the patients that we currently have and you know what their issues are, medical issues, perhaps how far along dilated is the patient. Um, I often take care of um, postpartum couplets. So that's a mom and baby who have already delivered their baby. Um, and then we choose our patients. And there's um, some ratios some staffing ratios that are involved so we don't um, have too much on our plate and we can deliver the safest care possible and then I, I go in and I do a head-to-toe assessment on my patient I listen to their lungs I take their blood pressure I check their oxygen status I talk to them about what their plans are for pain management I get to I develop a rapport with my patient I get to find out who they are. And that's a way that I can engender trust with them. Mm -hmm. And because I'm going to be the person taking care of them for the next eight hours, I really want them to trust me. Yeah.
0: How many of these patients are you taking care of in in a day or or a week?
1: Um, In a day, if I have a patient that is in active labor, it's a a one-to-one situation.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So they get your full attention.
1: Full attention. Yeah. Because they may be on some high-risk medications uh-huh. that require full attention. And when I say one to one, mind you, that's one patient to one nurse, but one patient is actually two patients because there's a baby inside that patient.
0: Oh my gosh. Wow. Right? Yeah, of course. Interesting. Yeah. So, I'm curious what kind of what kind of skills have you built on this job that that you've found to be most helpful for this this career and that maybe you didn't also expect to build in this area.
1: You know we 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 do simulation training and we practice a lot with communication um, during emergency situations mm-hmm. And so those are huge skills that I think have helped me be successful and and help our help keep our patients safe. So I think communication and teamwork, um, and then just having the drive to continually learn more and to ask questions of the medical providers ask them why why are they doing certain things and um, I think we have a very uh, collegial relationship with our providers
0: wonderful Um,
1: and that helps that just helps keep our patients safe you know
0: yeah okay I I've got a question here from one of our students what what was one of the hardest experiences that you've had so far as a labor and delivery nurse
1: well, <clears throat> labor and delivery is 98% happy, 99%. But sometimes a mama will come in and you put the monitors on and you don't hear anything. So I've had a situation where, you know, the, the baby has died and that's tragic awful, and yeah. awful. And oh my gosh! it's so hard to know how to, what to say and how to be there for them in that moment. So that's probably the hardest thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Dealing with that kind of loss, I, I could literally only imagine. Um, yeah, and that's
1: especially when it's not supposed to be a loss. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. And what I what an incredible role you play for these people, though. That's 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 amazing. That's wonderful that you do that. Now, how about on the on the opposite side of the coin, what are some of your happiest memories so far?
1: I always go back to, and it never fails. You know, like. The baby will be born and I still kind of well up with tears or, you know, kind of get that like lump in my throat. It's just so amazing. But that moment when the baby is born and the dad and the mom, they, they glance over and they look at each <laughs> other. There's just so much love. And then they look at their baby and welcome their baby into the world. It's just to be a part of that magic. It's unreal. Yeah. yeah it's-
0: that's that's super, that's so wonderful. Now, you mentioned also before that you're, you have a training in another area. Is this, this is, uh, you're being trained as a sexual assault nurse.
1: Yes. I'm in the very beginning stages of being trained as a sexual assault nurse.
0: Okay. And can you tell us a little bit about that? What, what, how long is that training? And can you describe the responsibilities of a training or excuse me, of a sexual assault nurse as well?
1: I, I got started on this team because they're bringing that role back to Santa Cruz County. So in the past, um, victims of sexual assaults had to, if they wanted to press charges and have um, and a, the forensic evidence collected, they would have to go to Santa Clara County now the goal is we're bringing it back to Santa Cruz. So sexual assault victims in Santa Cruz County will have some place, you know, we'll have, have a dedicated team of nurses and law enforcement to deal with that. So the role of a sexual assault response nurse is to interview the, the victim and ask, let them know what their legal rights are. Ask them if they want forensic evidence to be collected, and then I would go ahead and do do an exam. You know, do a, a pelvic exam to collect evidence, and then if they wanted to press charges, we would turn that over to law enforcement. So I feel like being a labor and delivery nurse, it's, I just have ex, I have experience. Um, discussing, you know, touchy subjects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We use something called trauma-informed care, um, where we, people who have been assaulted, you know, have had a lot of their power taken away from them, and so it's really important to give them back as much control, and power, and autonomy over themselves as possible. And that's also something that we do in the labor and delivery field. So it kind of transfers yeah. over.
0: You're a very versatile person, it seems like, and it's amazing that you're applying your skill set here in in such needed areas. I think. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD ninety point seven FM, Santa Cruz. I'm Jacob Shekman, and today I'm speaking with Julie Bailey and learning about her career journey to becoming a registered nurse in labor and delivery. And just a reminder for everyone listening now, we are conducting interviews through video call and we apologize for any lack of audio quality. However, because we're doing these videos, we've taken the opportunity to partner with classes from Shoreline and San Lorenzo Valley Middle School so that we can do these interviews live with an actual audience of eighth grade students and we get to take their questions directly. Stay tuned and hear them now. I mentioned that we you know we would talk a little bit about what yeah. it's like to to be in the medical field today literally and more praise and thanks to you and your peers for for continuing your work, right? I, so what is it like to be a labor and delivery nurse with coronavirus pervading everything?
1: Yeah. I will say it's the It's been frustrating because our protocols are changing almost on a daily basis. You know, at first we said only two visitors could come and now only one visitor can come. And first it was that one visitor could go in and out and now it's like, you know, so it's just these constantly changing protocols. We were first told you can't, you don't need to wear N95 masks when a mom is pushing um, and now they're saying, no, you do need to wear N95 masks. And so there's so, I think it's just um, a sign of how much we don't know with this coronavirus. Um, so it is, yeah, it's anxiety producing, but we show up because we care about our patients and we're um we're dedicated to to taking care of our patients. But there's definitely that frustration and anxiety. But I would say the community has really rallied and one of the doctors came in last week with a big bag of hand-sewn masks that a woman's quilting club had sewn for us and wow. nurses who are so savvy have also, awesome. you know, sewn some masks and, you know, we're really pulling together as a team and to care for our patients because that's still our priority. And I would say labor and delivery is a very careful area.
0: Absolutely well, that's wonderful. That amazing that you're you're there to do that for them. All right, everyone moving forward, this is this is the audience Q&A time. This is ready. I want to hear from y'all. What questions do you have for Miss Julie Bailey here? Our first one, someone who a, a, whose sister is a labor and delivery nurse. It's sometimes difficult to balance their opinion as a nurse versus the doctor who might be coming in with incomplete information, right? So how how do you balance that where you're the doc you're the nurse in the room as the whole time maybe the doctor comes in with not all of the information how do you how do you have a discussion with them if they try and put more weight in their in their say
1: I want to ask a clarifying question do you mean the doctor comes in and and is recommending a certain thing to happen but they're not really telling the yes. patient everything Correct that's a good question. I think, um, and that does happen. The doctors come in for a split second, say their spiel, and what do you want to do? And they walk out, and the patients are like, "What?" So I would kind of reiterate, maybe in um, more layman's language, more down, you know, with not not the same jargon that the doctor is using. Ask them if they understand. Ask them if they would like to talk to the doctor again. Because the most important thing is that they have, they have informed consent, that they're as informed as possible and that they have all their questions answered. And so if they don't feel like it, like they have that, then it's my responsibility to pull the doctor in back right. into the room to, click, to answer those questions.
0: Thank you. Okay. And we have another question here. Uh, do you do births in the hospital or do you also go to people's homes?
1: I do births only in the hospital. One of the hospitals I work at is a low-risk birthing center, which means you have to be 36 weeks along. Um, And the other hospital that I work at uh, get anybody. Anybody can come. They're not screened, you know, risked out. So we get lots of preterm. We get twins or triplets. So, but it's definitely in the hospital.
0: All righty, and. Here's an interesting one. When you were in eighth grade, what were you like, and what did you wish you did more of academically or personally?
1: Hmm. Oh, when I was in eighth grade, I I was a gymnast, so I spent probably four three to four hours a day at the gym, gymnastics center. Wow! Uh, so I didn't feel like I fit in socially as well at school because I. Spent all my time dedicated to something else. Um, I was a good student, but I was probably bothered by the fact that I felt like I didn't fit in better.
0: Right. Okay. <laughs> the, being being in eighth grade, I suppose. Yeah, being in yeah. eighth grade. <laughs> sure. All right. And another one here. I we may have to ask for a clarification question, but it's asking, uh, do you or did you have to take blood in this job? Now, I'm. I if you can clarify, are you asking whether or not Julie has had to draw blood from a patient? I'll ask that. Have you, do you have to draw blood from patients? Yep, definitely. Definitely. Okay. That's a specific area within nursing also, phlebotomy, correct?
1: Um, Well, at one hospital, we have phlebotomists who come, they're the lab people, they come and draw patient's blood. At the other hospital, we don't have that. So we do it ourselves. We actually put the tourniquet and draw the blood.
0: Now, uh, let's get some more questions from our students here. I've got some that I can ask in the meantime, but I want to know what you guys would like to know. So please let us know. Who, is there someone at your work or maybe before your work? I, I'm curious, who who inspires you at work and who inspired you to get there?
1: Well, my I mentioned my best friend who is a hospice nurse. She and I decided together to... S- start the journey of becoming a nurse. So we, we kind of did that together. Um, who inspires me at work? My patients. Wow. I'm inspired by my patients. Yeah. You know, I, I, I always Do the best for them. Okay.
0: Do you ever have a, a patient that's in there for more than one day and maybe takes some extra attention?
1: Yeah. Some people are there um, because they have a, they have for whatever reason, their they're labor needs to be induced for safety a little bit earlier than just allowing the baby to come on its own. Um, so sometimes the body's not quite ready yet and we give them medications to start the process of labor. Um, so sometimes those, the, their bodies don't respond super quickly. So sometimes those patients can be there for four days before they deliver. And that can be difficult on them mentally. Um, You know, they want their baby to come out. Why isn't my body working right? They might think there's a lot of sort of mental, I don't know, anguish or distress that we, it's important for us to address with our patients and kind of help them along with that. Yeah. Yeah, And, and there's certain patients that have high risk medical stuff that we, they're definitely people that we watch much closer. For example, I mentioned preeclampsia, that's high blood pressure. Um, Sometimes we put them on a special medication to help um, relieve, not necessarily the high blood pressure, but help relieve the, the consequences of the high blood pressure, which could be a seizure. So we help kind of that way and that's a high risk medication. So it's definitely a very, we keep a very close eye on those people.
0: Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Okay. We, we do have another question here, actually. Someone Rex has mentioned his wife has had two inductions at Sutter and said that absolutely amazing in, in terms of helping them out. But what, what are some ways to help expectant mothers tackle the stresses, the stressors of going through the induction process?
1: um, giving them realistic expectations that it could take a while, um, letting them know that everybody's body is different. You know, I, I think labor is one thing where we can't Google how long it will take. We can't Google, you know, as a culture, as a society, right. we're so used to now, oh, I'll just Google it.
0: <laughs> oh, what's
1: going to happen? Oh, it's going to happen? You know, the funniest thing, question I get, a baby will be born, go right on to mom, and they'll immediately ask, well, how much does the baby weigh? And I was like, did you see me weigh the baby? <laughs> I <don't> no." <know." laughs> um, so we, we, can't, we always say, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know. Everybody responds differently, and, you know, you just have to be patient and surrender to the process, Sure. So to speak.
0: Okay. Did you was there anything you wish you knew ahead of time before you came into this field? Not really. Yeah. Good. So you, it sounds on like a job,
1: on the job training and you know, you grow, you grow as your, as your competence in your, in your profession grows, you grow and develop and yeah.
0: Wonderful. Where, where again, did you get your, your training and your schooling?
1: So I just went to Cabrillo College for my nursing degree. I went to UC Santa Cruz and got a bachelor's degree in language studies. Um, And then I decided to become a teacher. I went to Cal State Monterey Bay, got a bilingual K through 12 teaching credential. And I taught for about seven years and decided I wanted to, um, well, I wanted a job that, A, I got paid well for. And B, when I was done, when I was, when I walked out the doors, I was done. With teaching, I always had a fair amount of preparation to do and lesson plans and grading. And I never felt completely done. But it was also very important for me to have a job where I, where it was meaningful. I felt like I was truly helping.
0: Okay, wonderful. Well, and so that we've, unfortunately, we're getting close to out of time here. So, uh, we have one last question I can ask um and it sort of goes with my last general last question in terms of i i want to know what sorts of advice might you have for our students listening and anyone trying to get into this field? What can people do if they want to start pursuing a career in nursing?
1: You can volunteer at your local hospital you can um Take lots of science classes. You can the um, the CTE. Just a little plug for CTE. I know they have um, a great class called healthcare professions. Some something along that line. They also have biotechnology, and those are great um, great ways to expand your knowledge of the medical profession. Um, take lots of science classes in school. Um, and just know that there's more than one path you can take. You can get a two-year degree, the four-year degree. You can change your mind after you've gotten a degree and come back to being a nurse. You can look into uh, different class, like summer internships at Stanford University. They have quite a few in the healthcare profession. Yeah, but just get out there and see if you like it.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for, for doing this for us today, Julie. That's, this has been an absolute pleasure, and I couldn't appreciate it more.
1: Yeah, it's been great. I, if I can inspire one person to be a nurse, it's the best thing I've ever done. So,
0: All right. And thank you to all of our listeners who are actually listening to us live. I almost can't believe it. Thank you so much for tuning into today's Career Story. I'm Jacob Shekman. This is our show, What To Be, with today's guest. Julie Bailey who is a registered nurse yeah my pleasure Julie Bailey is a registered nurse in labor and delivery if you guys have any questions or would like to share any other career stories with us please send us an email at whattoberadio at gmail.com if you enjoyed our show please join us again at 90.7 FM K-Squid Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays or stream online at ksqd.org or visit our website yfiob.org for more ways to listen